there's always something else you could tinker with. But at some point, you back up and you just say, it's good enough. And not in a really a bad way, but you have to be okay with just saying, I'm, it's good. We, we created this routine years ago because, you know, I, I go back to like 2009 through 2011. I remember being chaotic. And actually, it was Tabitha, my wife, that came in in 2011. I was like, all right, this is a mess. You know, you need to clean this up. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. And this is going to be our final look at the flipping process. This is a Real Estate Heavyweights University. We've been diving deep into flipping. Uh, we've talked about financing, finding the flip, getting off to a really good start, all these aspects. So please go back and check out some of those episodes. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. We're going to be going back into those topics at some point and, and really clarifying. So if there's anything that we didn't touch on or you, you want us to, uh, you know, explain a little bit better, we are for sure uh, open to that. And then we're about to start getting into, you know, interviewing some other professionals in the Dallas area and na nationwide and picking their brain and trying to get uh, the best answers for you when it comes to investing, how they do their business, how the tips and tricks that they have to share for us and for you. So uh, definitely keep tuned for that. Um, today, I am uh, with my friend and partner and uh, my mentor with uh, flipping. He uh, actually sold me the house I'm working on right now at my flip over on Mapleton. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, the Dallas real estate guy, I've been showing the whole process. And so Tavis Westbrook uh, is his name. He's he's a superhero in the investing world. He he does the in commercial, he flips, he wholesales, he's got long-term, mid-term. He's got a lot of it going on. So uh, Tavis, how are you doing today? Good morning, Ashton. I'm doing well. I'm ready to uh, ready to conquer this week. So I'm excited, man. It's yes. uh, Thanksgiving week. Yeah. We've got food on our brain. We've got entertainment on our brain. We've got finishing yes. projects on our brain and new acquisitions as well that uh are on my brain so i am i'm fantastic yeah well when you're called the real estate heavyweights that means that we it means we know a lot about real estate it also means that we probably could play for the dallas cowboys if if <laughs> things go really poorly uh we could probably fill in on on some form of the line for the cowboys and at least hold it down for a few minutes while someone was getting some uh, tape on their ankle or something. Because, yes, we are we are both large dudes. Uh, I'm 6'3", 275, 280, something like that. Uh, Tavis is is a, a large dude. I don't. Know, did you ever play football? Did you? Was that your thing? Not not, not organized, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, no. That was. Uh, I actually really was excited. Um, to play growing up, but, uh, unfortunately we were not in a financial household to afford to do it. So never really got to do it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but uh, I played organized baseball, but. And me too, I actually grew up playing baseball, but yeah, you know, when you, I actually grew a little bit later and of course everybody wants to know if you play football, <clears throat> I've met a professional football player I actually was at a wedding of a friend's, uh, who, whose brother played, uh, Andrew Whitworth. 
And that is a, when you see a real professional football player, I look nothing like him. I mean, he's like <laughs> six, seven, three thirty. He could pick up the back of my car just to let me change a tire quickly. I was like, he's enormous, you know? And uh, I always think it's funny when people, Oh, you play football. Like, no, but I do know a guy that does. And he looks like he, you know, he could destroy anyone. So yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we're finishing up the flipping, uh, the flipping, university this time. And it's, it's nice because I'm actually going through this phase right now, the, the final, the final few weeks, trying to just finish everything up, get it on the market. The, where we left it off last time was just kind of in the middle, the, the drudging through the sequencing, everybody getting everybody in there lined up that way. No one's doubling back. You're not having to pay extra, but you're going to do that for a while. You're going to kind of get into that gear for two, three months, whatever it is. You're just going to be knocking stuff out, and then you're going to finish this, and the next guy's going to come in. You're going to do your rough end, and they're going to do some, you know, some start doing some finish out work, and then you're going to, you know, get to where sheetrock and paint's done. You get your cabinets in. Now you can start trimming things out. All that stuff will really, you know, start to happen for you. And then you get towards the end, and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, okay, now what? And you just, this is where, to me, this is where being there a lot pays off because you're just constantly finding little things, doing punch lists, making lists for yourself, your, your, your main guy or whoever it is. Hey, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do that. And so, Tavis, why don't you talk about a couple of things that always pop up towards the last couple of weeks that, you know, you have to really pay attention to in order to finish well, to get it on the market and kind of move on. Yeah, I think one of the one of the craziest things um, that you've got to kind of play Tetris with and organize, and we talked about this a lot last week, and and just sequencing and things like that. But you know, punch items are the death of most people. Um, and, and you know, you defined mm-hmm. punch last week, just kind of being those loose ends that come up on every project, whether it's a remodel, it's a new build any kind of project has got kind of loose ends that, you know, either it's, it's something that was overlooked in the beginning or it's a problem that has occurred, um, due to something else or something not fitting correctly. You know, for instance, you, you're dealing with that on the microwave, you know, and you know, it was a step that was missed. Um, unfortunately, and rather than, you know, the cabinet builder to tell you, Hey, I can't make this cabinet until I get these specs from you. Uh, he went ahead and built it based on what he thought was going to work. And unfortunately it's not just a little fix. It's a big fix because he, he's off on his height. And when he's off on his height, you've got, you know, cabinet doors above it. And, you know, we did these cool, um, you know, bacon sheet slots, you know, above the microwave, and that's all going to move now. And so now because of that, and you've got an enamel, you know, finish on these cabinets, you know, now you're waiting on the cabinet guy. The house is done. I mean, I think that's really your biggest headache right now is everything's done, mm-hmm. but you can't stick the microwave in the hole because it, it doesn't fit and the brackets are in there, but it's not done. And it's like, you know, the question mark you have is, do I go ahead and take a picture with a microwave not in there and then just let it ride because that's the only thing which may be what you have to do if you don't hear back from the cabinet guy today um and at the other side of it is like okay now you're going to get raw cabinets in there now you got to coordinate the painter getting back it's a holiday week 
And, you know, now you're going to burn a whole week for this little mistake, you know? And so it it is, it's things like that. You know, it, it's the multi-sequence things that uh, take you back a couple stages or it's a problem that needs to be fixed. But then like, let's say right now, we talked a little bit about the electrician last week and some of those little minor details. Well, they, um, you know, to move a wire, they just go over and cut sheetrock, you know, plumbers too. Like the plumbers, uh, over at another buddy of mine's, uh, that we're helping him with a project like drywall's done, paint's done, waiting on the cabinets to come in. And he sends me a picture because the water line for the fridge never got moved. And he sends me a picture and they just butchered the sheetrock to carry the water line over. You know, they took the easy route wow. versus getting in the attic and pulling it down or whatever, you know, and it's like, Oh God, mm. it can be fixed. Yeah. It's fine. But it's just, you know, it's like, it's a three stage process now to get the drywall guy, get the painter back and, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, do you do it now? And that guy makes another trip and then he makes another trip on the final or, can you put the cabinets in and just work around it? Right. So it's, it's, it's those things that just drive you nuts. And, you know, I think anybody that's done a few flips can probably attest to the same frustration, you know, Mark Fuller intense properties. uh, He wants to be a guest on the show here and he's coming up and he's, he's definitely a veteran in the game. Uh, It'll be interesting kind of hear his, his side. He does things a little differently, but he's, he's been very successful in the game many years. And uh, I'd like to, to hear his point of view, but I'm sure there's a lot of similarities to to these uh, end, end game issues that come up. I've had this conversation before, oddly, with some I, I have several friends that are musicians and artists. And I think there is some some parallels there. And I've always been really curious when someone is artistic. I ask them, you know, how do you know when it's done? Because when you're doing something artistic. It's not this finite, hey, I, I solved the math problem, I pressed enter, I got the answer, and I send it in. There's always something else you could tinker with. But at some point, you back up and you just say, it's good enough. And not in a really a bad way, but you have to be okay with just saying, I'm, it's good. Because if you don't, you're just constantly going to be, well, actually, let's, let's, get, let's caulk this, or let's paint this, let me get the, land, the landscape, let's do this, and now, now I need, well, let's mow before the pictures. It's just whatever it is. I mean, you want to have a baseline of, of it being finished because you don't want people to walk in the house and two or three things you're having to have them overlook of like, okay, well, we're bringing someone in. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. But there is a level of just saying it's fine. It's good. Don't worry about it. And I remember over at Polk when I was trying to get stuff ready. I mean, I was spending hours there, you know, and, and in a way, it, I, I'm sure it was fine. But I mean, just hours on my my knees and hands try, in the bathroom trying to clean grout and trying to get a little bit of a paint smudge off of here and trying to straighten this up and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, at some point you're like, OK, the picture people are showing up tomorrow at 10. We're listing it the next day. And we're going for it. And yep. I'm, I'm always curious when people are saying like, okay, yeah, we're done. Just walk away, <laughs> you know, cause I could drive myself nuts with that part. I think the, the thing, the key, the key factor to remember is like, if there's things that are going to make a buyer walk in or, or a buyer's agent walk in and scratch their head or gives them the option, for instance, like, like I learned a long time ago, don't give these people options because they will take it. So like, 
it, it, there's a lot of competition out there that kind of see what's going on in the market. You know, inventory starts to pick up, sales start going down, you know, things like that. People panic and they're like, well, let me get it on MLS. Let me just get it out there. We're not done with it. We're still working on it. But when you do that, then you open up a can of worms because now the buyers and the buyer's agent are like, oh, you mean I can pick colors, I can pick tile, I can pick floors, I can do this, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea the sequence. They have no idea, like, how this works. And it's just, it's going to create a hell of a lot more headache. And it's also going to create budget issues, (laughs) you know, that come up with that. And there's not a lot to really hold that buyer's feet to the fire. I mean, you can ask for non-refundable deposits. I mean, builders go through this. And it's a pain. Like, I've learned it, and I'm like, no way. You know, so to me, it's like, can I get this thing all the way done where the house is obviously done? Like, in your case, the last thing is the microwave. So worst case scenario, you let it ride, you clean it up, stick the microwave in the, you know, in a closet. In the meantime, take pictures, then pull it out, leave it in the kitchen. It's obvious you're working on it. It's obvious that, you know, if a buyer comes in and wants to buy the house, and the cabinets are raw above the microwave, it's it's a punch item. It's going to be fixed, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty obvious to explain. It's not like somebody walking in, scratching their head, going, what's going on here, yeah. you know? So right. I, I think that's the key, is to try to think through, you know, how the reactions of the buyers and the uh, agents are going are, are gonna to participate in this space. And are they going to be confused or wonder if something is half-assed or not done right. Well, to that end too, I know we've had a conversation and you're basically now, now you're putting a bow on it and you're trying to polish it up and make it look as as great as possible. You know, and I, I, we've, I feel like we've done that. You know, if you want to think about it from the beginning, we've always said, think with the end in mind, who's your buyer. And specifically with Mapleton, I think we did a great job with that. I don't know if it was intentionally or not, but I think it was intentionally like the office that we put up front, the more I think about it, I think that office up front might be the thing that sets that house apart because in a 1960s house in an older part of town, the dedicated office is rare. And especially in that size of house, a three bedroom, three bath under 2000, around 2000 square feet. It's just something that doesn't really exist in those layouts. And so to have that as a marketing tool, in the modern home where people work from home so much, I think that could really, really help us stand out. Plus we have, you know, I just think we did a great job with design and, and layout and all that. But all that being said is you do a a wonderful job of keeping track of all of your expenses and all of your line items that you've done to that house throughout. So at the end, you can present this package to whoever's interested and say, look, I'm, I'm going to show you all my cards. This is what we did. This is how much it cost. And, um, you know, if there's any, you know, like, let's say foundation warranties or anything, like you want to make sure you're, you're answering all their questions that they're going to have. So there's just zero friction between them, you know, wanting to buy that house and actually putting a deposit down and, and putting an offer in. So why don't you talk a little bit about your process and all the things that you, you really make sure that you present to another agent or a buyer that's interested in a house that you flipped? So I think it's twofold um, when you when you look at the back end or the administrative side of this business, and it's probably the one one of the biggest things that I I hate because I'm I'm not a homebody, and uh, you know it, I end up kind of locking myself in the office um, 
at the desk actually right behind me uh, for several hours on end, typically on a Thursday or a Friday during a project or multiple projects, you know, doing data entry, right? Data input. And when, when we were much busier um, back in the day when I owned Superior Acquisitions, we would be running sometimes simultaneously 10 projects. So in that case, I did have somebody coming in once a week and they would come in on Thursdays and would pay them for their time. And it would be a two to four hour project of uh, data entry basically and cutting checks for Friday, right? And so we we created this routine years ago because, you know, I, I go back to like 2009 through 2011 I remember being chaotic and actually it was Tabitha, my wife that came in in 2011 was like, all right, this is a mess. You know, you need to clean this up. And it was old school, had the business checkbook, might've had two of them <laughs> or three of them from different accounts. They were sitting in my truck all the time. You know, the contractor would need to, would need to get paid and I'd be on the job site and they go, Hey, do you have a check for me? Hey, do you have a check for me? And half the time they would not have an invoice, right? And they would tell me how much and I would write the check and I would, you know, hopefully put mm -hmm. the information in the little memo sheet next to the checkbook and I would just go on. And then to be the end of the month and I'm like, I think we're running out of money. How much is in the account? You know, how much have I written out? Yep. Hold on. Let me, let me go and start inputting this. And it would be like this mad race to start inputting information in. And the 11, 12 hour, you're getting ready to sell the house. And I'm like, I have no idea what I really spent. And I don't know what's left in the budget. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, I would do the budget. I'm like, God, no, this is not good. I'm over budget or I don't have the money to pay this guy. And so now I'm having to put more money in to fund it because I didn't track it, you know, and I'm upside down and I'm like, oh, crap. And and. We talked about this a few a few days ago, I guess, it was like, hey, Astro, what do you have left on this project? What are your big expenses left over that need to be paid? And you were like, I think I'm pretty good. I think I've paid pretty much all of these loose ends. I'm like, what about yeah, cabinets? You're basically you're... describing how I run my job. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, and you're like, this is me. Yeah, like I got yeah. two or three checkbooks in the truck. I show up. They want to check. I'm like, hey, yeah. okay, how much? Well, it was a little bit more expensive. Okay, well, here you go. It's like, that is that is how I've been running it. I mean, yeah. I start out well. I I update <laughs> spreadsheets and you know, but yeah. Now I was telling you like, right now I'm kind of in just survival mode. Like, let's just get this going. Let's here right. you go. Um, do you yeah? Let me put this on a credit card. Yep. Let's go. Here's a check. You take Venmo. Sure. I paid Venmo, Zelle, yep. checks, credit card. I mean, I have it spread out just to get done. And I've changed vendors so many times over this project. Uh, that that's been an issue yeah. and, you know, getting invoices and all that. So man, you're, well, you're painting the picture of <laughs> how I do it right now. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, cause I've, I've taught classes for many years to agents and, you know, one of the things that we would teach an agent that's representing a buyer is, Hey, ask for the information, ask for, you know, receipts, ask for, you know, not necessarily specific, you know, paper receipts, but ask for a breakdown of, of who they've paid out of the project, you know, spreadsheet. And I can say that because now I've perfected our back end to be able to provide that, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of times you get pushback from the investor, like, oh, no, nah, I can't do that. And people freak out, like, what do you mean you can't do that? Well, it's exactly what you're saying. It's not, <laughs> it's not a priority. It's not a system that you have in place. So therefore you trying to backtrack 
all of the administrative side to track all of your expenditures, you know, on this specific project and go, okay, this belongs here and this is what I spent here and this is what I spent here is very difficult. So it's a hell of a lot harder when you're looking at in your project, you know, Mapleton's been a 12 month project for you now to go back and accumulate 12 months worth of data to, to input and put together and track is, is extremely difficult. It's much easier to look at your business account and go, what went in, what went out, what's the total. Okay. It was associated. I had this project. This is where all this expense goes to. What's the grand total. What's my balance sheet. Right. But Mm -hmm. one of the systems that we put in place was, like I said, go back to when Tabitha kind of jumped in and took over is it was first getting the trades on a, on a guideline to say, get me your invoice by five o'clock on Thursday and we'll pay you Friday. If not, then I'll pay you the following Friday, you know? And for the most part, 95% of my people are on board with that. Now, if I get a new trade or a one-off guy mm-hmm. or somebody that doesn't manage their money really well, I know that he may want to check after he does the work on the weekend, you know, and I've going to have to cut him a check, you know, on Monday or Tuesday. But for yeah. the most part, everybody's trained this way. Everybody's on board. There's a, you know, I know they're going to do the work. They know I'm going to get them paid. They smell blood in the water with me because they, I, I just look too nice. They, they look at me and they're like, you know, call up, <laughs> Hey, would you mind send me another 300 bucks? Hey, do you, I, I don't have time to go to home Depot. Can you go grab this for me and bring it to the job? Oh, and man, man I, I, as far as marriage advice, I've always given this marriage advice to anyone that, Oh, you're about to get married. Okay, here you go. Don't ever do anything one day. You're not prepared to do the rest of your life. Cause if you do something one day, if you do something one time, now you have established with that person, like you're cool with it, you know? And with these trades, like you, like you run to home Depot for them one time to try to be nice and try to keep them going. Or you, you pay them early or you, you know, well, you know, this long story, why all of a sudden you got to pay their cousin through Zelle and all this stuff. It's like, you do that. And now that's the system. And then, you know, next time you don't do it, well, you're a big jerk, you know, it's like, but you, you have these great boundaries with them. And so for sure, that is something from the beginning of next time, that's going to be, give me the invoice. I'll pay on Friday, really segmenting out. Um, You know, the other big thing for me, I know you don't do is, you know, going and buying in materials and bringing it to the job site with rare exception. You know, you, you do not, all their prices include materials. And if for no other reason, it just cleans up all your line items that are, are coming through on the credit card or the checkbook. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't have to keep track of nearly as many little runs to Home Depot and floor and decor and all that stuff. So um, getting things like that to where it's just kind of simplified and your guys are bringing all their materials and their prices are completely inclusive. Uh, you know, you can really clean it up. And then that way on the back end, you can, you know, much easier present that to whoever's going to be buying it. So let's talk a little bit about now. I know we've, we've done a good job of, of talking about how to price. And I know in general, you price a little bit low. You have that mentality of let's price below the market. Let's garner some interest, try to get multiple offers and trust the process. And overall, it seems to really work for you. So outside of pricing, you know, um, I, I know you advocate for staging, you advocate for professional pictures. Um, talk a little bit about kind of your process of, okay, now I'm done. I'm ready to go. We're, we're about a week out. Let's, you know, are you doing 
Are you mailing anything out? Are you knocking on doors? Are you calling other brokers? Like, how do you market this house that you've spent so much time on to, to try to share, like try to give yourself the best opportunity that day that you list it to get some offers? You know, for me, um, over the years, I've I've built obviously a big following on social media, Facebook for the most part. I've got some IG people following these days and and things like that. But um, I use that platform quite a bit, right? So um, you know, I'll do a live video. I'll I'll share you know final photos. I'm sure I wear people out because sometimes they might see the project multiple times. But it's just letting people know one, I'm in the space. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Two, I'm looking for more projects, right? And so we're wrapping this one up. I need another one. But here's what this is. Here's where it's at. And, you know, it, it works. I mean, you get people like, you know, Stephen the other day that reached out um, on your project. You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. They found another mm -hmm. property in a completely different part of town. That happens. But it's just exposing it to that point. And I think, you know, again, just, yeah. you know, we've talked before about, research, 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 and then all the way up until, you know, you get ready to put the property on the market of, you know, again, diving deep into looking at what's available on market, look at, you know, any recent comps, any pending comps, you know, you've done a good job of picking up the phone and calling some of these agents in the neighborhood and say, what's your activity like? Have you gotten any offers? What's going on? You know, can you give me high level information tell me, you know, what, what the traffic's been like, you know, and then you've taken it a step further and actually set appointments and gotten into some of these vacant homes that are on market mm -hmm. to kind of compare and size up your competition. So I think all of those things are really helpful when you're trying to strategize uh, the best way to put, you know, put your product out there. And I will say <clears throat> in the past and years past, there was definitely several, several homes that, um, I did not stage. And, you know, that was because it didn't need to do it to get it sold, right? It, like it wasn't, it was an added thing, or maybe I tested the waters for a week or two to see if it went that long. And it was one of those, you know, it's one of those line items on my rehab sheet is actually staging. So it's in there. So it's a cost, you know, that you need to think about. Um, but right now, because the market's kind of finicky and you're seeing all these price reductions and you're seeing, you know, all of these, this different competition and things going on, I think just, again, eliminating all of these guessing games, you know, and staging helps do that because it helps lay out furniture in a property mm -hmm. to make it look, you know, it gives you that virtual vision. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the of, of the, uh, you know, virtual renderings, you know, the virtual staging, the virtual staging, nah. because it, all that does is kind of look at a picture and you're like, Oh yeah, it looks great. But then when you show up, when you walk in the home, the average buyer makes a decision in five seconds within walking in a home, if it's something they want to keep pursuing or not. Right. So to me, that's the part that kind of falls short or somebody sees it. It's like, it's like seeing any kind of advertising out there that looks really good. And then you see it in person. You're like, Oh, you know, like how many people have ordered things on Amazon that look really good and like, oh, I expected this thing to be like life size. And then it shows up and it's like, you know, this big, you know, <laughs> like, oh, right. I didn't read the dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I thought this thing was going to be yep. 10 inches tall by whatever. And it's like an inch tall. Right. Like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, Tabitha's done that several times. Order something. And the dimensions were off. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and what we were just talking about is 
we design the house, it's not always super straightforward. Now, some rooms are, but some rooms, it's not extremely straightforward. Okay, how would you put the couch here? Well, we we designed this house with the intent to put the TV on this wall and the couch here. This is how we think it would be best. So we want to kind of, you know, reduce questions for someone walking in. Like, I don't even, like, how would you, would our bed fit here? So when you do that for them, it's just one more thing. Like, yep, this is a, this bed's about the same size as ours. Or actually, this is a, a little smaller, a little bigger. Yep, our stuff will fit here. And then they can just move on. And the virtual staging, it just, to me, it just looks creepy. I mean, I don't, however, <laughs> it just never quite matches the style either. It's weird. I was looking at one this morning that was not, it wasn't a hundred percent rehabbed house. So it was a little bit dated, but they had like the cleanest, most modern, all white furniture in there. And then they had a picture without the staging and it just looked like this dingy old house. Right, so right. whoever opens up that front door, they're just going to be slapped upside the head with it. So yeah, we use in-person staging and, you know, Rebecca Bowler, who we use, she, I think does a great job. She fills in a lot of the gaps. She does a lot of the, you know, knickknacks to just make it feel Good, because you can tell even in a in a in an in person staging, you can also tell the person who just did the best they could to throw as much as they could in the back of their truck, and they're trying to make that truckload of furniture just fill up the house. Oh, you know, it's like you know how many how many bad stagings I've seen where it's definitely like somebody's you know hand me down stuff that sits in their garage, and they're like, hey, I'm going to stage it with this, and you're like, oh god, this is horrible, you know. And somebody's like, well, yeah, I just wanted to put a couch in the living room, you know. Um, and it's like, you could tell this is like 1980s furniture that they had left over from yep. somebody. And it's like, no, Don't that's do that. terrible. Don't do that. Um, it's amazing. I mean, honestly, we're talking about three or four bedrooms, three or four bedrooms, you're under 2,500 bucks. So on a project, not bedrooms, but rooms. Yes. Rooms, rooms, right. If you're spending, <laughs> you know, hundred, $150,000 to rehab a house and you've put all this effort into it. It's like, okay, just spend a little bit to make it look amazing. And I think it's, I think it's worth all the money. There's a reason builders do it with model homes. You know, they want to, they want to show it off and they yeah. go the, the full Monty, if you will, you know, with all of the accent walls and paintings and, you know, everything. And the yeah. whole house is completely staged. Right. But it's because it's, it, it's giving you that that experience of what it can be all the way through. So, you know, just staging like you're doing, it's, it's amazing to me how much like a little bit of greenery in a bathroom will change the perspective of the bathroom or, you know, a piece mm -hmm. of artwork hanging on a wall. Um, those things yeah. go, you know, they go very far in just the perspective and the imagination of what the property can be. And it's amazing how fast it transforms even Mapleton, mm -hmm. which looks amazing and it's brand new and everything's done and everything is custom, but staging, it just adds that extra layer that makes it livable and uh, attachable, right? And yep. memorable, you know, and, and people will actually go in, go in there and sit down on the couch or sit down at the dining room table and talk about their offer, you know? And so it gives them a yep. place to do that. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, mm -hmm. we hope that's going to. Yeah. It, it, that's going to work out well for you here, um, you know, as soon as you sure. get this thing on the market. So yeah. I'm excited to see it all staged and ready to go. Oh, man, I can't wait. And so to wrap this up, you know, I, I hope we have given you a decent overview of how to flip a house. It's not rocket science. You know, that it, there's some simple steps that you can do. It's, it's building a house. And like Tavis has said, you just have to know the concepts of how to build a house and you start with the ground and then you work your way up. 
and you try to not double back and try to keep track of your expenses. And you always win on the buy. People say that, but that's the truth. You cannot just try to get into the business, go find something, and then try to rehab your way into value. Now you can add value with a, you know, ADUs in the back or, you know, trying to add a little bit of square footage. We'll talk about that at some point. But in general, if you're trying to squint and justify getting into a neighborhood or trying to do a, a flip and then on the back end, you're polishing up real nice and trying to convince people that for whatever reason, you're worth forty, fifty thousand $50,000 more than what the market says you should, you're going to have a very difficult time with that. So if you can figure it out, be patient, buy it properly, and then go through these steps, you're going to be fine. And so, you know, I know we're wrapping up Mapleton, just like we're wrapping up this section here. So we'll keep you updated on how it's going over there. I know we're going to find a good buyer. I'm, I'm really excited. Randomly, I talked to uh, the owner of the, the guy who bought the Polk property recently. And, um, you know, they're happy. And it just made it, it made me feel good to know that they've been in that ha house several months now and they're still happy with it. And I don't have a lawsuit pending or anything like that. You know, it's like you have these fears that there's like, Oh gosh, what did I do? What did I forget? They fell, they fell through the living room floor on the third night, you know, so you, you have these, you hope it goes well, but I know that we've done a great job on Mapleton and it's gonna, it's gonna really turn out great for somebody. So, um, Tavis, um, as we wrap this one up, why don't you let people know um, what you're looking for? I know you've told people if they have anything, just what what kind of stuff are you looking for? What parts of town are you looking for? And tell people how to get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, so look, if it's, if it's a real estate property, preferably, uh, you know, an improved property, I will look at vacant lots of, if it's just a, if it's in an area that's upcoming, um, you know, that makes sense. I mean, I'll definitely take a peek at it. Uh, but for the most part, I'm looking for an improved property, single family. Um, you know, obviously we'll look at multifamily and commercial too, if it, if it makes sense, you know, um, really it's, it's about the deal. Um, I, I particularly want properties that are off market that, you know, need convenience, right? There's some kind of reason that somebody's needing to sell this property and sell it fast. And therefore, they're willing to sell it at the right price that it makes sense for me. They're still going to make some money on the deal. But I say off market because um, it gives me more options. And, you know, with that property, if it's already exposed to, you know, the general market or if it's already listed for sale, that's going to limit some of the things that I can do with it, whether it's wholesaling it, whether it's keeping it um, and flipping it, et cetera. So it, it just changes things up a little bit when it is already already marketed. It doesn't mean that it completely sabotages it, but most of the time what I found is when it's already marketed, the, the prices are typically higher than where they need to be. So if, if you're going to send me a property that's on MLS, you need to have some kind of insight to it and go, hey, look, it's listed at 300000 but I know the seller's in a position where they will accept, you know, 250, right? Or 225, for instance, you know, okay, you know, great, then let's talk about it, you know, but it needs to be something like that, where there's enough meat on it, if it's a property that's been sitting and not selling, you know, I want to be your number one option out there. And I say option, because you have multiple options, and the sellers have multiple options. But if you're looking for, you know, the as is sell, the no nonsense, close it in a couple of weeks, and you know convenience play i'm your guy so um 
you know, that's what I'm looking for, build these relationships. I've done a lot of business with people over the years, especially in the real estate professional space here in DFW. And uh, you asked location. I mean, essentially DFW um, is is where I want to be. We've recently closed some stuff in uh, San Antonio. I've done some transactions in Houston before. So, you know, look, reach out to me. I'll tell you if I can do it or not. As far as reaching out to me goes, reach out to me on Facebook. Um, I'm Tavis Westbrook, like Travis with no R. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. We are working on our website, so that will be coming soon. Nevertheless, uh, look forward to uh, to working with you guys here in the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a quick little, you know, nod to Tavis. I think at some point, tell me the number you, you added it up. What are the, what's the number of commissions you've paid towards other agents in these types of transactions? Cause you pay the other agents. So what, what is the number you're over at this point? You think? Uh, so on average it is, I think last year we paid out like $127,000 in commissions, uh, or referral yeah. fees, if you will, to other professional agents. Um, so on average, we, we average somewhere between, you know, 75,000 to $130,000 a year, depending on yeah. volume, obviously. So, well, you've been doing this a long time and that, and that being the math, I think we came up with the fact that you've paid over a million dollars in commissions since you've been started in this business. And so he doesn't mess around, you know, he's not going to try to work you out of a deal if you're a professional and you've got a, you've got a property that you just need help with. Tavis can help you figure it out. You know, this isn't, Hey, hand it over and he's going to make the money and you just have to look for something else. Like he's going to pay you. So I just want to make sure you get a plug on that one. So, um, yeah. as far as I'm going, um, I'm closing up Mapleton. I've got a listing, uh, over in Dallas as well. Uh, one zero one one five Cimarron trail. Super excited about that. Really cool house, uh, that we're selling for a friend. And, um, I think that'll move quickly. Uh, we're hoping that the under 30 days on market is going to hold true for them. So, we're really trying to market that. If you have a house you want to sell or if you're out there looking and you need someone to show you around town, I would love to help you out. Uh, and then hopefully I'll be, like uh, Tava said, we're getting the the website going. I'm, I'm hoping to wholesale something soon and get into another flip once we clean this one up. I take a little breath, maybe go to Mexico and just like kind of <laughs> <sighs> just relax for a second. Just take a little break. Just let everything settle, the dust settle, and then we'll be back. So, uh, but keep paying attention to Real Estate Heavyweights University, Real Estate Pod, Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. We'll come with you a little bit later this week. But thank you so much for joining us. Tell a friend, like, subscribe. We'll love you forever. Thank you so much. Bye.